Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like talking about. This week, we'll be chatting about Ninja Theory, talking about Hellblade, a missing Starfield showcase, Tarkov cheating issues, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review the show. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment with your thoughts, questions, or to just say hello. A huge thank you to supporter-level patrons PK, The Don, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronex. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and my other content, as well as getting ad-free podcasts and other cool perks, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel to look at the support tiers that go from $1 to $10. Okay, gaming news. Let's get into it. This week, we have 14 stories. Similar to last week, it's probably 14 relatively short stories, but we'll get into it. Story number one. Ninja Theory released Hellblade Sinuous Saga Dev Diary. If you've been paying attention to uh, the Xbox games, the Xbox exclusives, we know that 2022 was a pretty rough year for Xbox because they basically had nothing we have been looking for games like Starfield, like Hellblade, and others to show up. Fable, things like that. And personally, one of my most, uh, the one of the ones I'm the most excited about is Hellblade: Sinuous Saga, the sequel to Sinuous Sacrifice that was released quite a few years ago at this point. Ninja Theory is the development studio, and we know they're working on multiple projects right now. I assume Sinuous Saga being the biggest one. We've seen snippets. We've seen one bit of in-engine footage. I don't know how much of it was gameplay. I I think some of it was, but not much. It looked insane. It's being developed on Unreal Engine 5. And um, they've been quiet for a while, honestly. There's some people who think this game may come this year, towards the end of the year. I personally hope so. I would really kill for this. I've you know, besides Mass Effect, this is the the long term game I'm the most excited about. So what they did this week was they released a dev diary. Um, they used to do these really often. I'm assuming they've just been crunching real hard on getting this game going. And this one was about how they were scouting locations in Iceland for the game to be able to accurately represent where they were trying to show uh, the game was taking place. Uh, and then COVID-19 hit. And Iceland was um, basically shut itself down to keep people from coming there and causing a problem uh, with COVID. And this obviously made it difficult for them to uh, continue their scouting. Um, and this tells a story about how they found a local photographer who would help them. And that's how they did it. And so um, it, it was really cool. I mean, for me, I, you know, it's neat content, but more than anything, it's good to see things happening with this game. Um, I'm just really, really excited for this. I, I really think this can be Xbox's like quote unquote, uh, God of war. Um, if not better, I think that Senua is a more, uh, can be a more interesting character than Kratos at this point, because Kratos will just be whatever they want. 
um, because he's been such different characters over the years. Um, but I really think Senua could end up being quite a mainstay for Xbox in the long run, and I'm excited to see what Ninja Theory is doing for this game as well as others. Story number two, Starfield Showcase is supposedly imminent. So we know that um, as well as Hellblade, we've been waiting for Starfield. It was supposed to release last November in 2022, got delayed to a undisclosed date. And to this day here, about a third of the way through 2023 or fourth of the way, we don't really know more than we did before. There's been rumors of a showcase coming extremely soon. We knew after the recent dev showcase that Xbox did, they even confirmed themselves there would be a show just for Starfield, but they didn't say when. There's still thoughts that if Xbox is going to stick to their E3 show last year or E3 timed show, that Starfield should be coming by June, but it's March and we still haven't seen the showcase and they haven't really started a media blitz yet. And so, you know, we need the showcase, we need a release date, and then we need the game to actually release. Um, if you hear some background noise right now, that's rain. So there's nothing I can do about that. Um, so there's been a lot of hubbub right um, on, on the internet um, from people being mad that it's Friday, I'm recording this, and they still haven't announced the showcase. Multiple people in the know in the gaming industry seem to be hinting that there would be an announcement this week. It looks like that's not going to happen. Um, the one that I tend to follow is Jeff Grubb. Um, he tends to not sensationalize too much. Um, but there were people... Um, like Jez Corden, who I, I respect the work that he does, but I feel like he is very attention seeking. Um, and, and often I, I believe there was a situation where he hinted an announcement, but then kind of like played it off. Like he was joking with a friend. Um, he, I think that maybe he found out he was wrong and wanted to try to save some face. Maybe, I don't know. These things change. Um, Jeff Grubb had to cut off all of his hair because a game uh, developer publisher decided to change their mind about something that he was positive about. So these things can be variable. I'm not too worried about it. People need to chill out. Um, Starfield's going to come when it comes. Starfield, for better or worse, has hit the status of it has to be good. Like Xbox, it, it has to be at least a 9 out of 10. And so I think Xbox is going to allow Bethesda to hold this back as long as they have to, to make this game as good as it can be on launch. Now, there's no testing like a public release, so there are some issues that they just won't be able to find, or maybe just won't have time to fix, um, to be able to release it in a reasonable amount of time. I would assume at least by the end of this year, if not by June. And um, I, no one should expect any game to release perfectly, but Starfield's hitting a state where you know, it was in development for a long time. It's been delayed for a decent amount of time. And people are going to want to see results from that, including myself. I don't expect it to be perfect, as I said before, but I expect it to be good. And um, this is my most anticipated game right now. You could argue for Mass Effect, things like that, but that's so far away it doesn't even seem real, right? Because it's not. So hopefully Starfield comes soon. I hope we get that announcement maybe next week. For the showcase and then i hope that we um, get to see some cool stuff and that this game comes out sooner than later story number three escape from tarkov's cheating issues 
So a creator, a reasonably sized one in the Tarkov community, made a video where he used a Smurf account or a side account, bought cheats, and then went into raids and used his cheats to see how many other people were cheating. And it was interesting, and it created a lot of conversation within the Tarkov community. And um, there, there was some interesting um, fallout from this. One, his video showed that there was probably a lot more people cheating than we want to acknowledge, um, even if they're fairly subtle about it, or if it's like one person in a group is using something where they can like see the outline of every player on the map, or see where all the loot is, and things like that. And so someone can be cheating, um, either solo or with their friends, whether their friends know or not, and just give some like, and not play in a way where they just run through the server and headshot everyone. You know, they, they can play in a way where their information in Tarkov is key. So if you can see where everyone is on the map, you can see where someone's going. You can cut them off, wait for them, and kill them in a way that seems mostly legit. Maybe annoying, but the person wouldn't really think twice But because you knew exactly where they were and they had no idea you were there. Um, now, I think some cheaters get bored with that and end up just blatantly cheating, and that's probably when they get caught. But his video exposed that... Um, what he would do is he would spawn into a map and he would approach or just look at people all over the map because he could see them all the way across the map. And there's a thing in Tarkov where if you wiggle your character back and forth by using the peak function, it's supposed to be kind of like a sign of peace. Like, hey, I'm seeing you're there. I'm saying, hey, I'm not going to shoot you by wiggling back and forth. Um, and we're cool. Well, apparently cheaters do this to each other too because they can see their each other's wireframe models across the map. So you'll see, you know, you'll look around and you'll see a wireframe looking at you from across the map and then you'll both start to do it and you're acknowledging to each other like, hey, I know you're cheating, you know I'm cheating, you know, we're cool, but I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And this creator who was using this account um, and with a cheat on it saw this pretty often. And... Um, the people were otherwise not playing like they weren't flying across the map. They weren't flying around headshotting everyone through walls that they were playing relatively subtly, but they were obviously cheating. Right. And so this video went out. A lot of conversation happened. There are a lot of really big creators with Tarkov. Tarkov has made a fairly small number of people, but bigger than you would think. Um, extremely rich. Um, there's a creator named Pastilli. Um, who, uh, you know, is very friendly to the devs and to the game. And um, he will com he will complain about the game and he will criticize it to a point. Um, but this game has made him like like has given him generational income. Um, now, no hate on the guy himself. He does a like a, a literal ton of charity work, has raised, I believe, millions of dollars for children's charities and stuff like that. You know, he's he's doing it the right way. But there is still an annoyance of this person who's probably the most impactful content creator due to his relationship with the 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 lead dev and the team itself. Um it just seems kind of unwilling to take the issue seriously. Um and when situations like this come up, it's just kind of reinforced. Um the uh, creator did say his account got banned, but not his real account. 
Um, and then uh, Nikita, who's the famous lead dev and owner of the studio, um, did an AMA on on Reddit, and people asked him a bunch of questions. Um, the Tarkov subreddit is known for having mods that are like very tight with the dev team, aka they're probably members of the dev team um, or their community team. Uh, and if you basically point this stuff out or show proof of cheats and stuff, you get banned, your post gets deleted. Um, it's a pretty bad situation. They're um, definitely playing heavy cover for uh, the, the, the dev team and Nikita especially. But Nikita does this AMA, and people ask him a bunch of soft boot-looking questions. And he, of course, answers those. Uh, and then there's just a ton of questions that aren't so friendly and aren't so easy, and he just ignored them. Um, and it was really funny. Like, when I loaded up the AMA, the top question was basically just a compliment disguised as a question. And it was so funny, and I even pointed it out, and people got a little angry at me. But it's um, it was basically, he just, Nikita answers most things by saying, like, that's in our plans, it's coming eventually, that's on the roadmap. Uh, and then people ask for a roadmap, and he's like, we have a roadmap on our roadmap. <laughs> like, it's just, the game is really interesting, and it's very unique, and it is a lot of fun sometimes. But it's just, it's one of those things where everyone kind of knows that no AAA dev is ever going to really try to do what they're doing. So here's the issue. They are trying to make a AAA game with, like, an indie studio and level of talent. They have a big issue, too. They're based in St. Petersburg, um, Russia. Uh, there, there's a lot of brain drain in Russia. Um, the simple fact is, is that if you look around game development, you'll find that it's a pretty diverse group, and there's not any diversity going to Russia. Russia kind of is, has their ways, and the, 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 they are kind of the way they are. Like, if you look at the dev team of Tarkov, it's, it's interesting. Is what I'll say. Um, and so they probably don't have the best devs in the world. Um, they're pretty well funded. A lot of people have purchased this game. So, um, But in financial statements, it's been shown that Nikita is taking a nice portion off of that. It, uh, I'm sure a lot of it gets reinvested as well. But um, the, the, the fact is, is that the Tarkov, what it's trying to accomplish would would require AAA talent and AAA budgets. And instead, it's it's an indie team with like very indie talent and probably and could have AAA budgeting, but I'm sure it doesn't. Um, using, uh, like for instance, instead of Unreal Engine, which costs money to use, it uses Unity, which I think costs money, but not very much uh, for like a game like this. Uh, but is known for being the, the like the budget engine to use if you're making a game, and you know Tarkov is just plagued with issues that are specifically because of the engine they use, um, and these cheats, the way that they're done, stuff like that. They use BattleEye; it's just not very effective. Um, it, it's it's an interesting game. It's, it, if you're not involved in the community, it's hard to fully try to explain everything to people. Because there's a lot of opinion there. I'm expressing a lot of personal bias um, in the way I say this. So uh, if you're a fan of the game and you have different takes on it, please let me know. I'm definitely curious. But 
cheating didn't push me away from Tarkov, but the lack of real response to it and the lack of, in my opinion, like seriousness about it kind of did because the issues they have with cheating, you know, they have issues with lots of other parts of the game and they just don't seem to take any of it that seriously. And they keep pumping out new features and new items and new this and new that, but they don't fix the old stuff. And uh, a big thing with Tarkov is that it's suffering a lot from, I think it's called tech debt. And it's this concept of when you're developing something, especially in software, and you have small issues and you just patch them. You don't quite fix them completely. You just patch them up so you can get by and keep going. And that's fine at first, but then you get deeper and deeper. You get years and years into development and um, all of those old issues are starting to come back up because they weren't fixed properly, and that's called tech debt. Um, we see this with a lot of games. We saw this with Halo. We saw this with even like the Division games like that. They all um, the the Division Two is a great example right now where they're trying to release more content for that game into four year four year five now, but they're having to go back and rebuild systems from scratch. Because when they developed the Division 2 originally, it wasn't meant to have this much content. And therefore, there were some systems that they just kind of threw together, not thinking it had to last for five years. Or had to accept more and more content over many, many years. So, Tarkov's interesting. It, it's always going to kind of have its, its like niche. And um, it, I'm sure it will get better slowly over time. But there's also pretty good documentation that that lead dev that... He basically wants to get the 1.0 version of Tarkov out so he can move on to a new project. Um, I'm sure they will have a team on Tarkov to continue working on it, but you can tell he's done with it. You can tell he doesn't want to mess with it. He doesn't even play it. He doesn't, he doesn't even seem to like the game that much. But we'll, uh, we'll see what comes of that. Story number four, the Division 2 Season 11 release. Um, so we have the final season of year four of the division two content. Um, it's a new manhunt. The main target is stovepipe. Uh, he's a black tusk member. Um, and you know, I suggest actually going to play if you want to know more. Um, the, the first manhunt, uh, was for his Lieutenant named chunks. Um, it was cool. There was some good lore and some good storytelling. Um, and it was fun to play and, I did it while I was talking to some people. Um, they reopened an area that was closed during the the events of the original game, which was actually really cool. It's something I've wanted for a long time. And, um, yeah, so far this season's pretty cool. I like it. Um, they, they did a stream uh, to talk about all the stuff that was coming on Monday before the release of the patch on Tuesday. Um, I think they should pre-record this stuff um, that... We, uh, we, as in the Division community, were really, really, really spoiled by having um, one combination or another of Hamish, Yannick, and Petter over the years. Um, because they, I think, were able, they, they were unique in their ability to handle some of the roughness of the Division community. And that they were just very personable and very charismatic people. Um, and they just happened to be assigned to this game and you know it's no hate on the people that they've had on there since when Pedder's on obviously he's great 
um, or when Yannick is on, sorry. Um, but he's the lead on the game now. He doesn't have time to do that, just like we didn't always see Julian Garrity or Frederick Dylander and things like that back in the day. Um, but yeah, I kind of think they should pre-record their announcements because it's just it's a little rough. But that's just my opinion. Who cares about that? Um, I'm definitely interested in where this season's going. Um, the gear and the stuff, I don't care. I I looked at it and I may try to collect it all, but I have one gear set I really like that I've been using almost since the beginning of the game, and I'm going to stick with it because it keeps on working. Um, I'm excited to do this season, see how it ends. Um, with some of the rumors um, and some of the leaks, it does seem like it's going to be really interesting. Um, there was a hint in some of the lore of this first manhunt that seemed to suggest there should just be like hunters around DC now. Uh, but after playing a little bit today and last couple days, I haven't seen any. So if you've discovered something, please let me know. I'd be very curious. And uh, yeah, if you're a Division 2 fan, uh, if you're at least like me, just jump in, do the manhunt, and then jump out. It was fun. I'm excited to, get, to jump in and, and do those when they are available. Story number five, Battlefield 2042 Season 4 release. We had a lot of DLC this week. Uh, or a lot of updates. Um, uh, this is a pretty good one. Um, new map, some new guns, a new battle pass. Um, I've been pretty impressed by it. I, I've really gotten back into Battlefield in the last couple weeks. Um, I finished the, the last season's battle pass before this one began. Um, and I'm already a good chunk through this new one. Um, since they added the classes and the other changes they made in that patch... It just felt great. It feels like a Battlefield game, um, and it's it's good. It's satisfying. My big thing is um, I enjoy like doing mastery levels on the guns, and so or uh, one system they have now is to to unlock like old like legacy guns into 2042 guns from like BF3, BF4, things like that. Um, there's like challenges where you use guns to unlock other guns. So it just kind of puts you into uncomfortable situations using guns that you may not prefer. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, and I just love hunting vehicles. I love blowing up uh, like vehicles. There's something satisfying about hitting a helicopter midair or blowing up a tank that has like four people in it. Um, cause you know, you just killed all like, it's just, it's fun. You feel, you feel very impactful no matter how many times you die. Um, but yeah, battlefield 2042 this season, it's not like revolutionary. I'm not going to pretend like it's, you know, going to change the way people think of the game, uh, entirely, but it's really good. These devs are putting in good work and I've really enjoyed, uh, last season and this season. The new map is great. The vehicles are good. Um, everything, it just feels good. And like the servers feel good. Um, it's just, it's pretty, it's a very beautiful game. Um, even though it's, you know, a shooter that you're killing people all the time, there's, you can definitely see, like, in the explosions and just the environments. It's gorgeous. It's very good. Destiny 2 Lightfall also released. This was the big DLC update for Destiny 2. Um, and this one has had an interesting reception. I'm basically seeing people... Destiny 2 seems so much of a product for itself these days. Where I'm sure they're pulling in new players with updates. And just people just jumping in anyways. But it just really seems to be serving their existing community, which is big and big enough to sustain the game. So I don't blame them for doing it. 
I just really don't see their updates as like a big invitation to people of like, come back if you haven't played for years. It's more like we're going to give the people who play every day more of what they want, and it seems to be working. Um, people seem pretty unsatisfied with the story of this DLC, um, but it also seems like the majority of people don't care about that. So it doesn't really affect their thoughts on this DLC. It's really interesting because I know that destiny two at this point, um, I've kept up a little bit with the story. Um, it's really interesting cause you'll see people kind of like be really impressed and talk a lot about the studio or about the uh, game and its story. Um, but I've never really gotten the impression. The story is like very good. There's a lot of it now and there's a lot of characters and, beloved characters and things like that but i've always felt like it's like a straight to video story i've just always found it to be kind of cheesy and a lot of the characters to be kind of just dorky i I don't know i've just never been into destiny it's not my thing um i like the way the game feels to play but i find the the enemies to be just really boring to fight i I think I, i don't know i've just never clicked with destiny um so this one definitely didn't pull me back in um but that doesn't really matter there's millions of people who are going to play it and be very happy and that's really really cool even if the reception of it is kind of not really super hot um i think bungie is going to be just fine uh story number seven uh, ubisoft is shuttering studios allegedly um an insider gaming article today stated that um there is a uh, at least one studio has been uh, named as closing the, the uh, Ubisoft Benelux, um, and that there may be others that shut down. Um, we've also heard similar stories with, um, I think like Square Enix is doing something like this. Um, I, I think I said a few weeks ago that Ubisoft is in a weird spot where it has like way too many studios and way too many employees for its output. Um, that's not me wishing for studios to be shut down. That's not me wishing for people to lose their jobs. Those things are awful. I never want that for anyone. Um, but it does bring up a likely possibility that these things are going to happen. Um, there, there's been rumors that Ubisoft is willing to sell and be acquired um, for the right price. But when they've approached people in the past, they've been kind of laughed out. Um, I, I think Ubisoft is interesting because they have they do they own lots of interesting IP, um, and they have some really talented studios. They just, they don't have the output that you would expect. And the output that they do have is just okay. Um, I, in my experience with covering the division, um, mostly and having conversations with people in the know in those situations, um, I'm under the impression that Ubisoft is real weird about what they support. The fact that the division two team is really tiny and scraping by just to get any content out. Um, while we have like Assassin's Creed put out like four years of content for each of their games, doesn't make sense to me. Obviously I know Assassin's Creed is Ubisoft's cash cow. I think they're now working on like nine different games or something under the Assassin's Creed brow. Um, it, it still just doesn't make sense that like the division should be one of the biggest franchises in gaming, in my opinion, but they've just literally only ever been given the resources to basically exist. Um, and that stinks and it shows um, and that franchise, uh, massive Ubisoft, massive, they all just deserve so much more than what they've gotten. So, um, um, maybe the Ubisoft simplifying, getting more efficient, more lean will be good in the long run. 
Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, they're very dependent on studios like Ubisoft Benelux and these other kind of small studios who don't make their own games and who purely act as support studios for other studios. Um, if they cut back on those, I'm kind of curious to what happens um, to you know the, the speed of their development and stuff like that. So we will have to wait and see. Story number eight, The Outer Worlds Spacer's Choice Edition has been announced. This is a new um, version of uh, Obsidian, I believe, um, of their The Outer Worlds game. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this game when it came out. Um, it's a bit short, but it definitely has the feel of some of the older Bethesda games. Uh, this new spe Spacer's Choice Edition will include all of the DLC, uh, a new level cap, uh, 99, uh, and improved graphics. So I'm excited to check this out. I never actually played the DLC of this, and so and I haven't played it since it released. So I think it'd be fun to do a, a replay, do a bunch of the, do all of the DLC, and kind of see what these new graphics look like. Story number nine, uh, just Mass Effect. A couple small things. Uh, Games Radar Plus uh, article, um, a Games Radar Plus article about Mass Effect Next uh, confirmed it is a single player game. Um, these articles kind of crack me up because I keep an eye out for them in case someone does drop some new info. But what you'll find is that some of these publications, especially smaller ones like this, will take info that we've known for like 18 months and we'll just make a new article about it. I've always been curious to look into their history and see if they've literally just copy and pasted an article from like a year ago. Um, it's still interesting to read, still interesting to talk about. I think we've pretty much known, and I feel like they've made it pretty clear that they aren't going to try to even do what they did with Andromeda, with even the relatively small multiplayer uh, integration. I think that they're going to do a very keep it simple, stupid thing. And just make a nice, fun, single-player game and just let it be what it is. Um, cut down on the complication of trying to add multiplayer and co-op and stuff. Just be a good game is all anyone wants. Uh, the other thing is there is a Mako statue you can pre-order now. The pre-order started on March 1st. And you can go to my Twitter or um, a few other places to get my link if you want to use my link to pre-order this. Um, it does put a few bucks in my pocket, which I try to buy giveaway items with and upgrade my setup and so on. Story number 10, Xbox's Activision acquisition is likely to be approved by the EU regulators. Uh, the deals with Nintendo and Nvidia seem to have tipped the balance in some of their hesitations. Um, this is not the CMA, which is Britain's approval board, uh, but the EU um, seems to have similar issues as the CMA, and people think that if they've satisfied EU, they have probably satisfied the CMA as well. So we could see that deal moving forward soon. Uh, there was a filing, I believe it was this week, where Xbox is saying that they want to see PlayStation's um, exclusivity deal terms specifically for each game. Um, as much as PlayStation has been complaining about how Call of Duty potentially becoming platform locked, which it won't because Xbox wants that money. Um, basically, Xbox has turned this around on them and said, well, 
let us see all the deals that you've made for Final Fantasy VII Remake and, and things like that. And, like, what have you enticed these companies with to keep the game only on your platform and even be delayed for PC? Uh, you know, what, what deal, how far have you tried to go? And it's basically them trying to be like, hey, you know, they're complaining about us making this exclusive when all they do is try and make things exclusive. I'm not arguing that this is a good argument. That's up to the lawyers and the judge and the jury. Um, but I think it's a good tactic, and I very much think this is a like a fuck around and find out mode where Sony is going to be in a weird position here if the judge rejects their objections and makes them show this info. And I've even seen people pr- propose that if if they're really going to be forced to show the, these deals, they may drop the lawsuit entirely, um, they, that they would rather keep those details secret especially from their main create, uh, competitor, and instead would just drop the suit, knowing that the, this deal is going to happen anyways, and to try to basically bounce out of it. I, I think it's just, it, it's, a, it's a weird story. I was so sick of this story for a long time, and at this point, I'm just um, curious. I just want to see what happens, and um, I guess we will, hopefully sooner than later. I, I don't know. I think this deal could be done by the end of the year, but who knows? It's wild. Story number 11, Elden Ring has announced new DLC. They announced it on Twitter at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday. That's here in the, in the States. Obviously, they're a Japanese studio. They released it at a time that was probably more appropriate for them. But it was funny that they, it was very little pomp and circumstance. They just kind of tweeted like, hey, we have a DLC coming. Here's a cool piece of art for you to decipher every pixel of. See you later. And that's what happened. A lot of people expect to see this at Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest and that this DLC probably won't be available until 2024, but who knows? The big reason is that um, the same company, the same developer, is expected to put out an Armored Core game this year, which is a big mech fighting game that was more popular, I want to say, on the PS2 uh, platform, but that's where I played it, at least. Story number 12, EA is testing the waters for Dead Space 2 and 3 remakes. Um, So there was some community polling and some screenshots that were shared this week where EA is basically polling people on whether they want to see Dead Space 2 and 3 remade. Um, For as much of the first uh, Dead Space, uh, the remake I played, um, I I believe I'm about halfway through. um, I just got busy with other games. I got distracted. I'll go back eventually. It's a wildly good game. It is so pretty. It feels so good to play. I am, um, I'm very excited uh, for them to potentially redo two and especially three, because people seem to like two, but three people don't like. And if they remade it, I suspect that it would actually be a pretty big project, and that they would revamp or retcon a ton of stuff in it. Uh, story number thirteen: The Xbox team was uh, took took a visit to Kojima Productions. Um, There was a bunch of pictures of a bunch of Xbox higher-ups taking pictures with Kojima, and uh, it's assumed that this was probably a meeting concerning the game that uh, Kojima is making for Xbox to be exclusive. It's supposed to be some cloud-based game. It's it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo we've heard before, except he can probably actually pull it off. So we'll have to see what comes of, uh, of, of that uh, game that I don't think we'll probably see for a couple of years, um, but we'll have to wait and see. 
um, for content this week for YouTube uh, videos. I did put uh, I put out a video of the intro of the season eleven uh, stuff for the division two, um, but I did start streaming on YouTube this week and. It's a little bit more of a hassle to get started, um, but I really like it. So if you want to come by, say hi, talk to me live, um, ask me questions, talk about the podcast, talk about anything, really. Um, you know, Follow my YouTube. It's just Bond Diesel uh, over at YouTube.com, and uh, you'll probably see me be live every now and then. Uh, probably playing Mass Effect, but maybe playing some other stuff as well. Uh, story number 14 and uh, the final one we have here is um, a Suicide Squad kill the Justice League uh, had its reveal at last week's State of Play. I didn't talk about this. Honestly, I completely forgot about the State of Play last week when I did my show. So here we are. Um, this has been an interesting thing because I think the Suicide Squad game looks like tons of fun. It looks dumb and goofy and silly, and that's perfect. It should be. Um, some other people don't agree, and it's really interesting how... I think it very much, I mean, I am over the whole looter shooter thing as well. So I don't love seeing like a crafting station pop up out of nowhere and stuff like that. Um, that stuff is annoying, but I think it's going to be fine. Um, the biggest complaint that I thought was weird was, um, the whole story of it, I guess, is that this enemy has come and has this goo on everything that lets the person control minds of everything it touches. Um, I just really, uh, there was a lot of discourse about how a bunch of the characters have these glowing balls on them from this infection, and that's the weak point. And I saw so many people complaining about it. I'm like, look, that's just game design. That's just, that's how you make a game. Uh, it, it's the way that you use the character's body to show the, 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 the character we're playing as what to do. And I thought it was kind of silly that people uh, were kind of weird about that. It seems like people have wanted to hate this game ever since it got announced. And maybe there's good reason. Maybe it's going to suck. Who knows? Um, but it's just it's just weird seeing people you know, drown it before it even gets a chance to live. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I did do a poll this week, a ray tracing poll, I said. Um, so ray tracing, like the hardware uh, element that you can get on some uh, consoles and PCs. So do you care if a game has ray tracing? I got 20% yes and 80% no. This was out of 232 votes at the time. So, um, and I agree. Um, I, I was caught up in the ray tracing thing. I technically have a ray tracing card, even though if I tried to do ray tracing on it, I would get like 10 frames per second. And that's a big thing that I've discussed a lot recently, either on chat or, or other places, is that you know, the, the lead up to this generation of consoles and even the newer generations of GPUs was real big. It's just all ray tracing. Oh, yeah, look at how beautiful the slide is and stuff. But what we're finding is that even today, uh, especially on a console, if you want ray tracing, okay, cool, you can have it. But you have to have, like, the lowest fidelity graphics possible. Well, no, I want the highest fidelity graphics. Okay, well, no, uh, you know, no, no, none of that. You can't have that back. And so um, I understand that it's a hardware limitation and that these new consoles are very good, but they aren't like, they don't have like 3090s or 4090s in them that makes them like ultra powerful. So I, I think if, um, I, I, I don't care about the ray tracing stuff. I want 60 FPS and at least 2K footage or 1440p. If I have those things, 
I'm easy peasy. We are all good. Um, if I don't, that's where I have issues, and that's what we've been seeing a lot. And I think that's kind of a bummer. Okay, so let's get into listener questions. Um, if you have your own question or topic that you would like for me to cover on next week's episode, uh, you can ask it in our Discord, you can post it in the YouTube comments, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast, either by you know, replying to me, or you can send me a DM. First question is from Neuronix. Do you think the looks of Stovepipe, this is from the Division 2, uh, is a first step on the path of the division going Fortnite Battle Royale with more simplistic models and less uh, performance ups impact. Not even a little bit. Nope. I think it's going to stay exactly the same. I think it's. Um, I think that 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 portrait of Stovepipe that's in the game, someone messed up. Like there's no way that they were supposed to take that close of a shot with the level of detail on his body being so bad. Um, I highly suspect. Um, that was just a, a bit of a glitch and, um, and, and that's okay. Um, I don't, you know, we're, we're going to have Heartland, which is probably going to have at least some extremely minor, um, similar elements as the, as like Fortnite and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't think Ubisoft has tried so hard already to follow every other trend um, it's just, supposedly they were literally making what was essentially a Fortnite clone. I'm guessing it's one of the games that they canceled. Um, I just, I don't know what they're doing, but I don't think they're doing that with the division. I, I think massive is stubborn enough to not be pushed down that path. Master prime had two questions. Uh, what game beta or prototype would you like to play? Uh, my answer to that would actually be games that I've already, they're out. Um, so games like, um, the division two, uh, which I did get to play some of that stuff, but I'm talking like early stuff. It would be really cool to see some games. I like from the perspective, uh, plague tale, things like that to see them in development and be like, Holy crap. How did you go from this to what I played? Um, I think that stuff is really interesting. Uh, master prime. Second question is thoughts on the battlefield seven leak. Um, they then posted a link to a leak video for battlefield, um, supposedly there was a former employee who was working on Battlefield who posted on 4chan or Reddit or somewhere um, some information about the next Battlefield. I think it's kind of weird that that got considered a leak because I've been hearing um, like Jeff Grubb and other people talking about essentially the same details for a while, that they're, they're going to do a single-player mode um, and stuff like that. So um, it, it's cool, but I, I think that person was misconstruing um, someone else's post uh, for information that I thought was being pretty um, readily told uh, by, by by other creators already. So, yeah. Uh, so Neuronix and Master Prime, thank you so much for their uh, for your questions. If you have your own, again, uh, feel free to ask them whatever way you prefer. Um, it was very nice. And that's what we have this week. A little bit longer than last week, but not a super long show. Um, I'm sure when Starfield comes out and some other stuff happens, I'll have a lot more to talk about. Um, we might be getting due to have some guests for me to do uh, a few interviews and post those um, sooner than later. So um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you have any feedback or any suggestions or thoughts on the show, please let me know, preferably in the Discord um, or on Twitter, things like that. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch. And uh, that's all I have. So until next time. Thank you.